0: Welcome to Code Splitters Podcast. I'm Paul. I'm Miguel. And I'm given. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Code Splitters Podcast. Um today we have a lot of cool things lined up for you. We are going to be talking about web components, uh, something that is very dear to me. And they are very like in, uh, for the past year or so. So we'll be, uh, we won't be doing a deep dive, I think, uh, too deep into like the internals of it. I think everybody, uh, has a, has a nice idea about how they function. So, uh, we'll be talking a little bit about some of the builders, like how do you build a web component? Um, and then the whole like versus frameworks, like um, like what are, are they uh, at the side of frameworks, um, who uses them and why they are pretty cool when we're uh, looking at component libraries or design systems. Uh, and then, of course, uh, sprinkle in a little bit of um, our experiences along the way. Um, but before all that, I wanted to hear how you guys were doing. I mean, we're still in pandemic mode (laughs) we're still working a lot from home so how are you guys doing yeah still working from home exactly um
1: so not much changing uh in that regard work related um we're about to start a new pretty exciting project in the company so looking forward to dive in and we'll also be most likely using web components so It'll be nice to talk about it today.
0: <laughs> Very relevant. Nice. Yeah.
2: So I haven't been doing much. Uh, I've been uh, mowing mowing the lawn a lot <laughs> since uh, last time, I guess. And uh, you know, gardening stuff as always. Um, uh, and and work wise uh, or tech wise related. Uh, I have actually become quite excited uh, about a lot of things lately. I think there's a lot of things going on. Um, We have uh, container queries, Uh, a lot of things exciting going on there. And, uh, yeah, a lot of new CSS is coming uh, very soon. And, uh, yeah, a lot of things to, to, to be excited about, I guess. So, yeah.
0: That's pretty cool, and yeah, you're right. Like I, I, I just scoured Twitter uh, last night, and and you're right. Container queries are big. Like I, I think someone mentioned it as as like the biggest thing uh, in CSS uh, uh, in the last couple of years. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. we'll talk about that in the future. Yes. Um yeah. So you mentioned gardening, like, like we're in a typical Danish start of the summer thing. Like you get one or two days with sun and you're like, Oh, it's hot. And everybody is out in shorts and what have you. And then it's like rain for a week, thunderstorms, what have you. Uh, it's been the same here. Uh, we needed to mow <laughs> the lawn, uh, on Sunday, but, uh, I got uh, hurt, uh, and my, with my foot. And I was like, I told my wife, then you can mow the lawn. And she's like, yeah. So that's going to wait. Um, but yeah, uh, lots of gardening things. And, and now in our new house, like everything is green now We're outside. It looks really cool. Uh, so that's, I'm re- actually really enjoying that. So in uh, my evenings and my, uh, you know, outside of work, I haven't actually been doing much coding or, or nerding about. So I've actually been outside and enjoying stuff. Uh, but that's, that's part of adult life, I guess. Um. On the work side of things, uh, I'm still working on this huge as Angular project. Um, but we're, we're, I'm, I've gotten a lot more time now to clean up stuff. And, uh, I actually recently made a new web component that we're using. Like, uh, and, and I'll get into that as well because uh, some of the topics here actually touch upon how I built it. So I think that's going to be pretty cool. Um. So yeah, that's, that's us. That's us. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, I mentioned we wouldn't be doing a, like a deep dive, but I think we need to just establish very quickly what are web components like the TLDR. So web component is an umbrella term, uh, meaning there is no such thing as an API called web components, but it covers custom elements, shadow DOM, and a few other APIs. Um, so the custom element is what uh, the custom elements uh, API is what lets us register a tag, like an HTML tag, like your anchor, your divs or your selects. So you create a new one and you register it with the browser. So it looks very much like the components you built in the frameworks you use, Um there are a few rules here. The rule, uh, the biggest rule here, of course, is that it needs to have a dash in it, in the name. And that is to not interfere with built-in element, uh, like HTML tags, of course, and future ones. Um, and then you cannot register the same element twice. So the second time you try to register it, it'll complain. Um, so there's that too. Um, a little caveat here is that you can, it's part of the spec that you can actually extend an element. So you could extend a button element and put your own styles on it uh, and your own like added functionality. But Safari hasn't implemented this. So that's cool. Um, I think there are polyfills out for it, but I think that's why people aren't using it too much. But that's actually, it, it sounds cool. That's pretty much
1: the golden. Sorry, that's pretty much the golden standard now. For can I use this thing?
0: Is Safari supporting it? Yes, then I probably can. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. I don't think it's that bad. I, I know I've ever heard people referring to Safari as as the new IE. I, I, it's it's in no means that way. They're slower to implement some some things, and that's it. But yeah. Um, Right. Uh the other thing I just wanted to briefly touch upon is Shadow DOM because that's the other like huge player in in the world of like building these custom elements. Um so the shadow DOM gives us uh, the ability to encapsulate uh, whatever is within the tags or our component. It doesn't, it's not tied to web components in any way. You c- you can put it on a normal diff if you wanted to, but it lets us encapsulate uh, this whole DOM tree and, and hide it away from the light DOM, as we call it, like the document DOM tree. Um, what this does, and that is pretty cool because frameworks have been doing this for a long time, you know, like encapsulating styles and making sure that your component styles don't bleed out and affect the rest of your DOM, right? And they do that by adding like these hashes to class names and what have you. But Shadow DOM... um completely encapsulates this so the outside styles won't uh, affect the you know like the elements within the shadow DOM but all the styles defined within the shadow DOM won't bleed out so that it makes it a lot easier to you know naming and thinking about your styles uh, and like if people consume your web component you know you know that whatever you have inside of it won't affect their you know their application or their page that is pretty cool Um, that is also of course one of the one of the things people can struggle with. It's uh yeah.
1: Yeah, and as far as I know, Paul, you're a bit more uh as you said, it's it's uh web components is uh really a, a topic that's dear to you and you have a lot of knowledge about it. So I'll probably ask uh ask some questions during this as well. Um but I I guess the only as far as I understood, the only way to actually uh pierce the Shadow DOM if you wanna call it that. Uh, regarding to CSS is, uh, custom, uh, or CSS variables. Is that right?
0: More or less. Yeah. Yeah. If you wanted to affect these styles within your, uh, shadow DOM enabled, um, custom element, you can use, uh, yeah, CSS custom variables, custom properties. Can't remember. I always forget. Um, and yeah and you can put them uh, within your uh, you know within the styles of your component and then you know that's sort of your exposed API and you can change these and and that'll work and there are of course uh, actually that's worth mentioning there are a couple of inherited um, 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 CSS styles uh, which is part of the spec I think you mentioned this to me Mikkel uh, I sort of forgot it right but it's stuff like color uh, line height uh, like the font family and what have you those actually do penetrate the shadow DOM of course if you don't want your or, um, like your component to inherit uh, these, you you can put like all initial on your component. It'll it'll clear these. It's like a reset. Um, but but these do penetrate, and that's smart, right? If if people had set a, a font style on on their uh, on their page, then your component would also have that. Uh, that's how all HTML elements work. So so that's that's pretty cool. Um, and you bring another good thing in here, uh, uh, Kevin. Asking this Question, because there is another way. Uh, it's a fairly new way. It's a new API, but it's uh, already supported in all the major browsers, which is the shadow parts API. So that basically means you can, if you have a, a piece like a button within your shadow root um, that you want to expose and have people be able to style this, you could use the custom properties. But then for every property, you would have to, you know, create a variable. Um, the other parts eh, eh, part, haha, is eh, adding a parts attribute to it, like giving it a name, like, you know, um, internal button. That means that from the outside, people can select your element and then do, I think it's a, a double, a double colon, uh, part and then, uh, the part name. And then they can style it. They can do the hover, the focus, whatever styles on it. So you're basically exposing that entire element to the outside world. Um, so that's pretty cool. And that's, it was really needed i think especially now with the popularity of of web components on the rise like like how did you get around this styling thing so yeah definitely
1: yeah that's pretty cool so if you have like a as you said if you have a maybe a, a bit of a bigger web component that has like a button at the bottom or something then people can target it from the outside um with that parts uh selector um What if you have like, I don't know, uh, an icon within the button? Do you then also have to expose that? Or can you kind of target what's nested inside as well?
0: That's a very good question. Parts are actually only like one level deep. um, But you can re-export a part. Um, So the... As you say here, if it was like an icon within the button and the button has shadow DOM as well, you know, like if that is a web component, um, you can re-export that further out. That also means that the parent component can rename it, you know, like you can just give it another name if you wanted to. But yeah, that, that's the way of doing it. You have to export it from the inner one and then re-export it uh, further out.
2: What about if, if the icon is not a web component? So it's, it's not a nested web component. It's just a SVG for a Will it? nest, like the the parts thing would would you be able to to do that? Or?
0: Um, I don't think I understand correctly here because the parts is part of the Shadow DOM API, so without Shadow DOM, you know, then it would be on the same level, right?
2: Yeah, but it's like uh, so. You if you say that you have a part that is a button inside of a work component, uh, ah, yeah, and inside of that button there is a SVG or a whatever tag, would you be able to style that? Uh, from ah, the okay.
0: Part. So, oh, yeah. Sorry, the child of the part. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that makes sense. Um. Um. Uh, let's see. I actually don't know. I <laughs> should. I should have known, yeah, that, that, right? That's fair. Um. Yeah. We, we also I, I getting can't remember if can, into yeah. The here, So. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a detail. We'll have to look it up, and we'll put it in the show notes if that is. Um. But yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, that's a bit. I think. Just on the top of my head, that was uh, like the very short introduction to Web Components. There are, of course, other things in there, and some of them we will probably touch upon. Yeah, Mikkel?
2: Can, can I just ask, like, uh, so you mentioned that the parts API is, is in all media browsers. Is that l- like also Safari? and Yeah, uh, that but, is but also guess, Safari. <laughs> crazy. So, But I guess this is probably hard to polyfill in IE, for example.
0: I think yeah I, I I haven't looked it up and I'm not completely aware of it but yeah I think it's very hard to polyfill but then again it's like uh, it's a progressive enhancement so like in IE the part um that you have in there would just be I guess ignored on the HTML element it just wouldn't know the attribute so the, you, if you try to style it from the outside in IE it just wouldn't work um yeah
2: yeah, yeah. it it doesn't break anything but it w- it might change the, the look right so yeah exactly yeah
0: Yeah. right um yeah so that was the tldr on um on on web components and and what they are and i wanted to like next up i wanted to talk a little bit about um you know what they are to frameworks, right? Because every and I think that's a thing that is up on Twitter and on the internet, uh, like weekly. Is like, yeah, web components are cool, but you know, I'm using you know X framework, so why would I do web components at all? Because you know, I just built in this, um, and that is very very valid. Um, and I wanted to touch upon a little. I'm not going to be the one to go in and say. But because this or because that, but it's my, you know, it's going to be our take on it. Um, like custom elements and shadow DOM are building blocks for building components, right? Just a little more native to the browser than if they were in your framework. Um, to me, frameworks can build upon this. Um, you know, like they all, all have a component model now, right? They could use. You know web components and just handle the rendering what have you inside the component and have the browser take care of registering you know the custom elements and the lifecycle hooks there um i think that's it you know i haven't built a framework so it's a uh, way above my head but 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 at least that's how i heard it mentioned that you know you can use it as building blocks and it's not web components don't replace frameworks at all i think i think they work together quite well um um, so, you know, some of the benefits, of course, uh, that we touched upon before in relation to Shadow DOM is, of course, that you get this native um, encapul- encapsulation, you know, like, so if frameworks could use that, they wouldn't have to do the scope styling, right? Um, it has built in life cycles, so you wouldn't have to have those in there. So you're, you could save bytes on, on your framework uh, code uh, doing this, right? Um, and then, yeah, again, the whole, bootstrapping thing. Um, I actually don't know how that works in all frameworks, right? But in, in say in an Angular application you would have an Angular root element that you would bootstrap um, and then after that you know when you just put an element in 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 that DOM within it it would know about it and I, I guess it's sort of the same in the other frameworks, right? Uh, but with web components because you register them on a document like you can do inner HTML and you can put the tag of your web component in there if you've registered it and it would just work. You know it would, it would call its connected call back and 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 just take off from there Uh, and i think these as building blocks are quite cool um so i don't think it's it's a war i don't think at all i think it's it, it should be a collaboration if any um but then again, uh, the people are used to, um, and I'm going to segue sort of into the building of web components just quickly here, if you <laughs> bear with me. Um, because we have all these cool things when we're building components in view, uh, like, like the templating syntax, like registering, uh, you know, events, uh, and passing properties and what have you, um, um uh, interpolation and all that sort of stuff. Um, In web components, like if you build a raw web component, you know, new class and you go from there, you would have to do a document create element. You would have to append it to your shadow root and do all these things manually that you get out of the box in in frameworks. So because of that, of course, like there are with anything in web development, people have built... I, I don't know, frameworks or builders. They aren't exactly frameworks, could be used as that, I think, but they're more libraries for building web components, like, like a better developer experience, of course, and some of the cooler things like change detection and what have you in your in your templates. Um, a couple of these are like LIT and Stencil, um, Fast, uh, HyperHTML. There are, there are a couple more out there. And frameworks also have their like Angular can export uh, web components where it's basically just it takes your Angular component and puts it inside uh, web component right and does and the document register element um so there's that too and we actually have experience with at least stencil uh, i've played a little around with lit but but we've used stencil so 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 that is probably the one we're going to be mentioning uh, throughout this podcast uh, episode here um because that's you know that's where our experience lies um so yeah i just quickly wanted to to touch upon that um so yeah i think you know that is some of the some of the benefits of web components um and i just wanted to hear you guys like your take on you know um because we use different fr- frameworks like have you used web components inside or with your framework uh, the one you've been building alongside and and you know like would you um i'm just trying to phrase this correctly but yeah what are your experiences with using web components alongside a framework or if we wanted to go over to this this thing here like versus a framework you know like where where do you see the benefits uh, uh, of it yeah i think if you talk
1: about yeah the, the main thing that comes to mind for me immediately if you talk about web components versus uh, uh frameworks is um you don't have to ship your framework code because as you said it's not really a framework uh, although it can have a name like lit or stencil it's not really a, a framework it's more like a builder so and that's that's one thing that comes to mind um you don't ship uh, actual framework code with it so uh, that's that's why i think it's a good point to make that they they can work together very well um i've actually used it in both cases so i've i've had a, a couple of projects where i used uh, just web components on top of like a more static CMS kind of site setup. Um, but I've also used it, um, together with a framework. Uh, in my case, that was Vue, I think. Uh, yes. Um, so where we used them together. So I had a Vue, uh, a Vue app and then, um, I needed some, uh, some specific, uh, component and I found a solution in a web component and then added that, uh, on top, um, and yeah, they work really well together. Um, it was also a project; it was, it was a big, was a big project, um, and a lot of legacy code. So it actually also had um, together with Vue, because we we were in the middle of upgrading from Angular JS to Vue. So we're actually running both frameworks on the same website. Um, and the cool thing was that um, I added a a uh, Stencil web component to the project um, to do some image lazy loading uh, because we need to support older browsers. And uh, yeah, there's a number of ways to fix that, but I found a really cool. Or you actually helped me find a really cool web component, Paul, um, that does the image lazy loading and supports I11, uh, etc. So that was really cool. And uh, the very nice thing about that was that I could even... Um, I had a AngularJS... Uh, I guess not a component. It was like the more like the controller older way of working, where you had like a huge Angular JS controller, uh, and I had a list of uh, products in there, and then I could actually just in the web component, I could just uh, I had a probably some kind of image URL property on on the product, and I could just directly from Angular JS just throw it in the web component, and it worked. So that was like, whoa, okay, that's easy, <laughs> and that just worked. Um, so. I think that's also a good point for you they can work together really well. Uh in most cases, I think, with all the major frameworks. Um so yeah, I used it in in both cases and uh in in both situations it worked
0: worked really well. What about you, Miguel? I know you've been building around with stencil as well. Oh yes. Uh
2: yeah, I'm a big fan of stencil, yes. Um I must say. So uh and i just want to say that like uh in the last episode we talked a lot about uh, storybook uh and this this way of doing component driven development uh and i think stencil or like web components in general is really supporting this uh way of working um so stencil and or like web components and uh uh storybook is really a, a power combo in my opinion um we're also using that on a, on a client actually uh working together with with the with the client um on building web components in stencil and also showing them in uh, storybook that's really working out great uh but but yeah you're right uh we're using um on, on multiple clients we are using stencil uh for for using uh, for, for building components uh and also i have been uh we have this client with a lot of uh, AngloJS code or AngloJS components that we are in the process of converting to, uh, stencil components. Um, so that's, uh, that's fun and, uh, it's going really well so far. Um, we did run into some issues that, that I, I want to share. Um, so for example, uh, you, you, you need to be aware of, like, uh, if you have, uh, for example, AngularJS or any framework loading in one bundle and then stencil code loading in a different bundle. Then there might, might be some race conditions and uh, you might not, you, you need to be aware of what components are included in what component. Like, so like, for example, you can't have, uh, uh, angle.js, like one of the old components in a stencil component, because that, that simply won't work. Or at least it didn't work in our case. Um, maybe it's related to the way we are loading things, but, um, yeah, so we decided to only, like we, we need, we decided to start at the leaf nodes and like at the bottom of the, the trees, uh, or branches and then converting components there and then moving up, upwards. Um, so that we don't have uh so we don't need to have any angular components inside of a stencil component
0: that's that's actually um <clears throat> the way you're doing it there is the way I've seen it proposed like how do I bring components into our current setup you know like if I wanted to do uh, web components, how do I bring them in and one of the suggestions for you know like replace the leaf nodes because that's usually dumb components they're only you know they only contain uh ui or or you know styles or what have you and and not directly logic um so that would be the um the prime place to 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 start out if you're doing a conversion and what you're doing there is actually it's it quite exciting like because that's a huge project like i've only seen it from the sidelines but you have hundreds of of components and what have you um so it's a, it's a huge undertaking mm-hmm. and i think that's pretty cool um
2: Yeah, it's it's always a good idea to start with the simple components, uh, and perhaps not the leaf components, but but like uh, the the least components that don't uh, need uh, have a lot of dependencies and they they don't have a lot of logic. So like things like uh, buttons and checkboxes and radio buttons and all that stuff. That that's good candidates for converting into web components.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Also because we all know that Angular JS controllers could be like behemoths in themselves. So so they they wouldn't oh, yeah. translate well.
1: Yeah, if if your Angular uh, <laughs> yeah sorry, if your Angular uh JS component uh is under a thousand lines of code, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> or you <laughs> were for, doing And get some slack for that one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we, we we sometimes refer to these <laughs> Angular JS controllers like uh, as uh god objects. So that's the <laughs> you don't <laughs> you don't mess with them uh and if you do you'll need to Pay.
0: You so, you will pay the price yeah. and get the wrath of Angular. Yeah, that is that is true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they, they yeah, don't yeah. adhere well to the single responsibility uh, principle. Um, nope. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: also, one thing I want to want to add is that uh, with web components, you get this benefit of uh, being able to to just sprinkle in some uh, components here and there. So. And that's really a, a great benefit, I think, because if you think of, of uh, like, if you have a legacy project or, like, a very old, uh, like, jQuery project and you want to modernize it, uh, you you could choose uh, React or Angular, but... They need sort of like a root uh, element, Um and you can't. And I think maybe also Vue does that, right? But but you can also have multiple Vue instances and sort of that. You can also do that with with React, of course. But uh, yeah, I think just uh, being able to sprinkle in uh, web components here and there is uh, is a great uh, thing to do. So that was just a small thing for me.
1: Yeah, I think it it has worked really well on on a, a lot of a project at our company are very CMS heavy, like uh Umbraco AP server, uh those kinda thing where most of the pages are like editor controlled and rich text, uh, etc. Um so yeah, to to build some some small interactable dynamic components on top of a very static CMS uh web components work work really well instead of going like a full-blown framework kind of a way. A oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. A flame, <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: flamework. I did say that, didn't I? A flame <laughs> I work. That, that's... That's also... <laughs> I mean, they, they should be called that
0: on... Lit is a flame work. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> that's some, that, that's a lot of good use cases. And I think that's a very good point, Miguel, of like sprinkling them in and using them as, as such. And I think that's actually the strength, right? Just being able to use them like that also within frameworks, but just as much outside of them, right? Um, yeah. So for myself, I think my, Initial, um, like, uh, experiences with web components was actually, I think I knew about the spec w- way back uh, when in, in, in the first version of the spec. Um, but when Stencil first launched. Um, I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool, man. I can build these components. And I think that the magic there was the whole, like, it did support older browsers and stuff like that without out of the box. And, and it was a very good developer experience building them. Um, so I played around with that, uh, where I worked before, like did a few POCs because that was actually very much a CMS way of working, right? It was a PHP system, a booking system. And there were a lot of places where people could put you know like in these uh, what you see is what you get editors um could put in content uh, in different places in their in their instances of the booking system, right um and and we had sort of like dynamic what you want to call it, components, I guess they were, but that was all jQuery built, right? So we had to listen to, okay, it's inserted now, so jQuery, go ahead and do your thing and then what have you. And web components solved this whole thing of you know being self bootstrapping. Um, um so, so that's sort of, sort of where I started working with them. Um, right. So when I got to the office where we work now, um, I think, it, uh, you know, uh, I wanted everybody to love web components. You know, I was very passionate about it. And I think my very first um, presentation, like internal presentation for the front end uh, skill group uh, was about uh, web components, if I remember correctly. Right, Mikkel? Yeah, I think you're right. And you did a good job because we are using it a lot yes. now. That's that's the influence I have. I love it, um, yeah. And and the project I'm working on now, it being a very big Angular project, we're actually using uh, not a lot but a few web components like we have our svg icons that are actually wrapped in in a, in a web component so it it does the whole uh async lazy loading of the icons and we don't have this huge icon font anymore that we loaded up front um so i thought uh, that was that was one of the first ones i did and it was pretty cool and now we're sprinkling in new components i actually recently just built a drawer component drawer of canvas menu what do you want to call it but yeah you know that slides in from outside the screen and you have your like your menu there and you can put stuff in it um, and that really uses the uh, it uses the named slots um, and and of course uh, you know we have the properties and stuff like that but we also trap focus so i try to make it accessible and make sure that when the menu is open you know like if you're a keyboard user you're you you know uh, when you tap around you just tap around the elements within the um the overlaid uh, menu and when you click escape it of course uh, closes again it was fun building it really uh, like that um and it works um uh, inside the angular project now i did a lot of testing um on it and that's pretty cool it's uh and and i don't know if that's an angular js thing uh, Miguel, you mentioned the whole like having angular js components within um within stencil and I, I think what you meant was also either the slots or just the content of the component right uh yeah both oh, okay actually. yeah yeah uh, but that seems to work just out of the box uh, no problems uh, with angular Uh, um, and i guess it wouldn't other frameworks as well i haven't actually tried it um but yeah
2: did we explain what slots are actually? No. Or do we need to talk about
0: that? Right. So I think we we in our TLDR we didn't really mention slots, but that's a very very uh, important and other cool part of the shadow dom spec as well because if you want to project um content from the light dom as when you put them between the tags of your component, right? You maybe your component has some inner stylings and you want whatever people put within the tags to appear in a certain place within your shadow dom you can use slots Um, it basically projects what you have in the light dom into that place in the shadow dom it retains its styles and what have you from the outside of course Um, and you can have these as name slots as well so you could have um, in the case of a if it was a card component right you could have a slot for the header the the card content and the card footer right so when you have the light dom and you use the tag of your element like my card then you can have like uh, my title here which was an h1 tag, right? And then you could do um, um, the slot and then give that, it the name of the slot, which would be header. And it would be projected into that slot in the shadow DOM. So that's how slots work. Uh, I think that they're called slots in view as well. They have the same concept. Uh, Angular has uh, ng-content. Um, uh, and the old Angular JS that was called transclusion, if I'm correct. <laughs> yep, that's correct. That's correct. So yeah, frameworks have these uh, these two. So that was a very, uh, I, I guess, mentioning slots there was uh, very important to get that in there too. Right. So we have talked a little bit about, you know, what are web components, what are some of the benefits of these web components and how you can work with them um, and how they, you know, how they are besides frameworks and or what they are to frameworks, I would say as, as these building blocks. Um, but, but another cool thing uh, that I want to touch upon uh, now, and that is uh, like very up this year. I mean, if you look at Twitter, if you look at the big companies, they're all building their, their component libraries in web components now. And why is that? You know, um, I think, We've seen, you know, like we have uh, a material design, we have the fluent UI, um, we have some of the more, um, what do you call it? Um, and there are, there are a few others as well, uh, where, where like the big companies had their own design system or their own styles, Vaden and stuff like that, um, uh, where you can use these components in, in, in your projects and, and build from there. Um, a lot of these had a version for, Maybe for Vue and React, maybe they usually had the version of where they started, you know, like where this library started. Um, and, and then maybe just maybe they were built for other frameworks too, because it's a big undertaking, right? If you have a huge component library and it's very specific in styling and functionality to have these across frameworks. Um, so I think a lot of these big companies now, um, and like it goes for, for smaller companies too, of course, but if you, have a design system, um, where you have all these components and styles set up already. Um, but you have different teams or, you know, projects working in different frameworks because, you know, that's, that's going to happen. I don't, I don't think I've seen any company that just goes, we use this forever. And that's how it is. Um, it creates this problem of, okay, but I want to use these these components from you know from our design system, I want to use these in my Angular project, or I want to use these in this view project we have over here, or this newly started React project. Um, and I think that created a lot of extra work um both to just create them and convert them, but also to maintain them. That means every time you make an update to a component, you would have to do it in all of the framework versions of this component, right? Um, so I think that is where web components really shine because they work out of the box with these frameworks, right? They're framework agnostic. You can just put them in and use them as these elements in there. Um, so in a in a design system component library sort of world, I think they they are the perfect fit um, because they sit right in there between all these frameworks. So the company can just build their one web component, st- uh, you know, component library, and consume it in React and in Vue and in Angular, and it just. Works. I mean, of course, there might be subtle differences in the frameworks and how they consume these web components, but but that should be a single thing of doing. Like, if we look at uh, programming the adapter pattern, right? Like, build a wrapper or something like that. You can just use for that framework or, or or there. Um, and I think that's really the beauty of it. And I think um, I just wanted to mention a few, like there's, uh, I think Salesforce as well has their own set of, I think they're called Lightning Web Components, uh, as well as like a component kit they have. Uh, Varden has theirs. Um, um, Microsoft has their Fast UI. And they actually built, like we mentioned, Lit and Stencil. Uh, Fast is actually, there's also like a base where you can build your components based on that. And then they have a a Fluent UI version of these, uh, of their Fluent UI. Uh, um, uh, did, uh, what you call a component library of course built on uh, fast uh, components um, yeah uh, there's material web components as well for using the uh, uh, Google material design I don't know if you guys know of any others
1: uh. Uh, the, the first time I actually saw a big uh, collection uh, of web components was the ING bank they have their Lion uh, design system yeah. That's built in web components. That's the first time I uh, saw them used in a big project, or a
2: big way. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I think I've, yeah, I've seen that as well. I didn't know the name, but yeah.
2: Also, uh, the whole thing about uh, like having to build the same components in different frameworks—that's also, I guess, the reason why uh, Stencil JS was born, because the, the the Ionic team wanted to support lot of frameworks but they also didn't want to like uh, build the same components over and over in in different frameworks right so uh, they built stencil and now they're using that in every framework I'm just using adapters I guess
0: yeah that is a that's actually a very uh, that that is the perfect example because you are correct I think they started out in Angular right Ionic was like built on Angular uh, on top of that and they met some limitations and one of them was indeed this that you know I think people wanted like a view version and, and stuff like that. Uh, so, so they have the base, which is the stencil based builder and they build their components there. And then they have what they call them output targets, but you're right. They're essentially wrappers like some glue code that makes it easier to, for, for them to be consumed in view and in, in, in React and, and in Angular as well. Um, but that's the basis of it. Um, and I think. If we just wanted to sort of go over it again, right? That is really the strength of web components because they sit in between; they're not tied to one framework, um, and I, and I think that is why they're also not a threat to the framework, right? Because they work with all of them. I think that's the beauty of it. I don't I don't know why people want to rage wars over that because it's not because web components are not going to come and take away your precious framework. I don't think so. I think frameworks will keep being there and they'll keep innovating. And maybe at some point, they'll start building on top of web components. Um, One could say that, you know, Stencil and Lit, even though they're not... You know, categorized as frameworks, uh, they they sort of have all have these library types as you, as you would uh, in React as well, right? Some of the some of the cool developer experience stuff in there. So you could you could build your entire website uh, with Lit or uh, and and just some vanilla JS or or Stencil and some vanilla JS to to handle state and what have you. Um, it's perfectly possible, but but then again, maybe the frameworks. Give you something there that's a lot better for that experience. And I think that's cool. Yeah. Um, that's actually, uh, nice. You touch
1: a bit upon that topic because I wanted to, to ask if you had any experience with this as well. Because we, um, until now, I think we mentioned it as, as a really good way to like sprinkle in components here and there and, and, you know, use them across projects and stuff. But I I also, um, know that when you, initialize a new stencil project you can choose between this like component way um or like a full blown app uh stencil app um kind of thing i just wanted to hear if any of you have any experience with that because i haven't tried that before uh, and then yeah my follow-up questions would be something like what about uh state management and routing and stuff does the stencil have its own kind of ecosystem or do they use uh, uh do
2: you use external stuff for that they have a stencil store. Uh, and I think they also have a router, right? Paul?
0: Yeah, I think there is a basic router in there as well. Um, yeah. uh, okay, cool. B- basically, the router is built much like the framework ru- r- framework routers are, right? They they build on the history uh, browser API, right? You know, push state, um, and and then of course a regular expression stuff, matching routes and and what have you. I think it's basically the same. I, I haven't built a router, so I don't know the internals, but I've heard it mentioned as that. So so yeah.
1: Yeah, that's cool.
0: I think that's also
1: nice to mention that there is those two I think actually three way that I guess there's also like a progressive web app kind of way you can go. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, yeah, that's right. As far as I remember. There's like three options when you yeah, install it. But yeah, it's cool to to mention that you can use it in can also use it in a more uh, um I don't know what the word is, big way in your but like almost like a framework, but not really a framework, but yeah. you know, have this take care of your routing and your state management and stuff as yeah. well. But yeah, I've seen a lot of uh, <laughs> these forum posts pop up is like why Stencil is going to kill view and stuff like that. And <laughs> of course, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. of course, they're both w- different ways of working with JavaScript, but you, they can also, as mentioned before, they can also be used. Together, there's no no need in yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> a war like you yeah. said. I think actually also there's a side rendering story to stencil. Uh, I haven't done it, uh, but there is some kind of I think hydrate app or something. I haven't looked into it, but but there is a, a way.
0: That's that's. Uh, I'm actually glad okay. you brought that up, Miguel. I sort of mm-hmm. almost forgot it because that is one of the big topics, right? One of the big topics um, for a long while in in component development, right? Has been this whole thing of yeah, but you know, you, you have get your get and what have you, the uh, the site generators, um, and they do that where they build statically, uh, you know, server-side render it, and then then they rehydrate some of the state uh, on the client side. Um, uh, the web components, uh, you know, like the custom elements API, with, along with the shadow DOM, is imperative. So it made sense in code, right? But you, but when you do uh, server-side rendering, it's basically you rendering out the string of your page, right? Like the HTML raw, um, and then you put that in a browser. And then, of course, there are some, some doodahs in there to rehydrate the state. Uh, and, uh, so that when the JavaScript hits the browser after the initial rendering, um, you know, it, it sort of takes over and knows what state your components are in. Again, I haven't built any of this so it's just a uh, uh, reading up on it and, and what have you so it might not be a hundred percent but that's where the issue was with web components because if you have shadow dom um, the shadow dom uh, is is hidden away from the light dom right it's this enclosed encapsulated dom tree um, and until now you had no way of rendering that in the you know on the server um, because how would you do that with the slots and, and all that um So uh, it's actually a new API out. I think it's only in Chrome right now. Uh, It's being tested there uh, and they're looking for feedback on it, but it's declarative shadow DOM. So that means you can declare the shadow DOM layout, the shadow root in static HTML, no JavaScript required. So it's basically the HTML template element. And then you put a shadow root um, attribute on it. Uh, and then you put whatever you want in inside you know what is supposed to be inside your shadow dom uh, inside that so that's slots and everything like that so that means you can it's serializable now which is what makes it good for server side rendering right because you want to serialize and and get the raw html out um i think alongside that they also introduced uh, a new call a new thing called get inner html a function it's like inner html you know on 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 documents uh, or on html elements sorry um but you can select to include shadow roots so like you want to include shadow roots and it'll serialize them as these um what's called template with the shadow root attribute on it so it's perfect for you know for server-side rendering and i think that that that'll fix that again um, it might be much more uh, and it probably is much more advanced than that but but to me it sounds like that is the right direction to go uh, in that regard uh, and that'll sort of i don't, I don't know get, get web components up to par in this whole issue of server-side rendering also because this would actually make frameworks using web components being server-side rendered also work because it's not you know, it's it is just tied to the shadow DOM uh, problem of it. And that would make these other frameworks able to serialize the, the shadow DOM as well. Um so I think that's pretty pretty damn cool.
1: another thing I always think about uh, with server-side rendering is like CO. Um so I guess that will be a, a big plus as well if you if Stencil could could work together with this this server-side render stuff. Because I guess if if you if you have like an H one in a uh, in a web component uh, and you disable JavaScript, I guess it's... do you then just get like an empty, no working HTML tag, um, or does it actually render the stuff
2: inside? See, that's yeah, yeah. You need you need JavaScript, right? So
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's been the whole issue. Now I know Stencil has, as yeah. Miguel said, a story about uh, you know working with server-side rendering. So they actually do it. They I don't know how they specifically do the Shadow DOM part, but it will work. Uh, th- their own website is built like that, I'm pretty sure. Um, so so it does work. But, but I guess this new API would save them a lot of that custom code, uh, um, I guess. Uh, the same goes for the other builders uh, too. Uh,
2: what we have done in, in products is like uh, if we know that some HTML inside of a web component needs to be uh, good for SEO or like uh, indexed, then we... Like, put it in the light DOM, like, uh, you use it in the slot. So, like, we slot it in from the outside, uh, because then it is, uh, server-side rendered. Um, that's, uh, one way. To okay. Go. Yeah. That's
1: a good way to solve that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: That's good, nice. Um, I kind of wanted to circle a little bit back to the styling aspect, um, for a minute because I, I just wanted to, before I forget, um, Wanted to ask about uh, working with CSS frameworks together with Stencil. Like, uh, what if you're using something like a Bootstrap or a Foundation or a Tailwind, like we talked about last time? Um, Is there a like a good way to work with that together with the Shadow DOM, or would it just be would you kind of just use the Light DOM instead if you're using these overarching styling?
0: Way of styling your side, yeah. That is that is right back to the whole like Shadow DOM and encapsulation talk, right? As on the one side, Shadow DOM is amazing for the encapsulation. On the other side, when you have these frameworks that have been built pre-Shadow DOM, right, um, you sort of hit a wall and like, how do I go about this? um And, and I think to answer the question, there is a, a just something we need to set up first. Here is that. Um, outside style sheets don't affect the shadow DOM. I think we've established that already. Um, but also if you want to use styles within your shadow root, you have to have a style tag in there or, you know, import the style sheet in there. Um, that would mean if you wanted to use your, as you say, like your bootstraps or whatever, you would have to include those styles within the shadow root as well. So that's basically duplication. Um, now browsers are pretty good at making sure like we've seen this resource before, you know, it'll sort of cache it. I think, I think I've heard this before, Um but it's still overhead, right? You're still including a lot of styles in there again. Um, I know, and I, I don't know how that works in in lit and in other places, but stencil has this you know where the styles much like angular uh, and view and stuff like that where you can have your pre processors or post processors for c s s take over, but also on the component level so that means if you do like in 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 sas if you import some some stylings or some variables um within your component c s s and you build it it'll it'll bundle that c s s just for your component um that of course means there will still be duplication between. You know, two components using uh, these uh, same classes there if you're using a Shadow DOM because it needs to be encapsulated. Um, so I think getting it to work with these with Bootstrap and stuff like that, I think I've heard again a solution as Miguel said could be to not use Shadow DOM, but then of course you lose all those benefits. Um, um or else you would have just have to live with having some duplicate styles, uh, um, um, in there as well. Um, I think to me, the best way would be to actually You know, have component specific styles for these, for these components. Um, there's another, (laughs) I'm going to mention another API now, constructible style sheets. Um, because that is sort of there to fix the whole duplication issue thingy of having, you know, a style sheet in your light DOM and you want to use the same style sheet in your, in your shadow DOM as well. So basically, um, you can construct a style sheet. I think you, you've always been able to do that, you know, like taking the style sheet that is, uh, in the, in the browser, right? Through JavaScript and, and, you know, getting that. Um, um, but they've added a way to adopt this style sheet within another DOM tree. Um, so in your shadow, shadow root you can go in and say that you want to um uh, you know document dot adopted style sheet and then give it the uh the style sheet you know from the from the parent from the from the light dom um and that's sort of you know it works like that and 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 they're also in sync so meaning that if if you update the parent style sheet it'll it'll get updated in the, in the shadow dom as well um, so so that is a way of not having to duplicate it all but uh, you know as as it's in the name right adopting that parent style sheet um so that's that's sort of i think that's sort of the fix <laughs> uh, for that uh exact issue uh, kevin yeah that sounds good
1: <laughs> Uh i think a lot of people still uh, still use or if you haven't if you have an existing project and you want to start uh sprinkling in like you name it so well uh these com these stencil or web components um and you already have like an existing style base um it's good to know that there are ways to to just keep using that
0: um yeah for sure i I think for a long while still uh until people get up to speed on on the parts api and what have you i I think that's still going to be a pain point for a while because it's you sort of had to think of it in another way right because you have that native encapsulation in there. Right. I think we need to wrap up um, just to go over what we talked about today. Um, we talked a little bit about web components, what they are. Um, and I think we can conclude that web components aren't here to defeat your framework. Um, they are here to work together with your framework or as a building block um, for these frameworks. We think they work Pretty well together with frameworks and as a central part of a component library, which is also what we're seeing out on the internet, right, with these companies building their component libraries on web components now so that they just work, uh, you know, framework agnostic um, and, and people can consume them in, in whichever way they work. Um, of course there are still some caveats. There are still some, you know, some stuff to work over, some stuff to work around in relation to shadow DOM and how you work styling, but, um, but it's coming along quite well. I think there are some cool things, uh, in the pipeline. Um, and I think they're cool to build with. And if you are lucky enough that you don't have to support all the browsers, you get all these new things, all these cool things you could start building and not have to, to look back. Yeah.
2: Can I just uh, add one more thing that, uh, that I think we didn't mention, uh, and it sounds like I'm trying to sell uh, Stencil.js, yes, but it's it's really just a really cool feature that I think is maybe overlooked, uh, but it's like uh, it's also coming back to our first episode, actually, talking about uh, code splitting and performance, uh, but Stencil actually have this uh, lazy loading uh, built-in, uh, so Let's say you build a lot of components, maybe fifty fifty components, and you're in this uh, CMS kind of situation where uh, an editor can can add uh, different blocks on the page. So, and then if they're all stencil components, then uh, the stencil will only load the code for those components that are actually added to the page, and not the rest uh so it splits up all the like each component has its own file and it it only loads the files that are needed so i just think that's a really cool uh, feature that you get for free
0: yeah that was very good mentioning that there that's pretty cool and you're right it is sort of a shameless plug for stencil but we like it it's cool it's cool <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and you don't have to sell stencil because it's free <laughs> yeah so guy
0: try it out go try it out now <laughs> right and that's a wrap uh, thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next time
2: thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Code Splitters podcast if you like this episode please share it with your friends or add a review in your favorite podcast player you can also find us on twitter at Code Splitters or on our website CodeSplittersPodcast.com until next time, take care Oh. Yeah.